And we are now recording. All right, man. Do you want to get us started? Sure. Do you know how to get us <laughs> started? I just realized what it said. Middle Earth had only fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I might have to actually use that as the episode title. That's so good. Welcome back, Holligans. You're joined once again by Joe, myself, and my co-host, Ryan. We are here to kill it one more time with a review of something I'm sure none of you have ever heard of. It's a movie called Wizards from back way, way, way back before either one of us were here on this planet back in 1977. Uh... It's a film by an animator named of Ralph Bakshi, which my dad had introduced me to this, and he made a big deal of that, the fact that it was done by Ralph Bakshi, who also directed the Lord of the Rings animated movie, which came out the year after this. Hmm. So a lot of very big similarities uh, in those two, the animation styles of those movies. So I guess what it reminded me of a little bit. This is... I had forgotten before we watched it last night. It, it had been so long. This is a trippy, just out there, futuristic, post-apocalyptic world meshed up with like a Middle Earth kind of a thing. It's it's really a unique beast. And I know we've I feel bad. We've said that a lot recently with some of the different things that we review. This this is this is a crazy one. Um, it has some very, it's anti-Nazi propaganda in this. It's it the best just, kind of Nazi propaganda, by the way. Yeah. Anti. Anti-Nazi. It, it's just, I don't, oh man, I don't, what What did you think of this one, Ryan? I don't even know like where to begin with it almost. It is really something else. Well, I, I did ask to borrow it so I could watch it again, which I haven't worked up the courage to do yet. <laughs> I figured I would just go off my initial impression rather than try to reason anything out. Fair. I liked it. I liked it as a spectacle and I like the story of it a lot. You know, that we we were kind of distracted by like you know, what's going on? Why is that person dressed this way? Why are those two interacting that way? Like what's with this guy who only yells? But the story's really interesting. And the story is that the earth was destroyed by a nuclear war essentially, or at least all like it, it says it that way, but really what it means is all life on earth was wiped out. Almost all. Yes. Almost all. Yeah, that's right. It says a few humans survived and then it kind of split off and there were mutants and some humans. And then there were like elves and fairies and these magical creatures that reemerged on earth after the sort of threat of humans were gone. Like, you know, kind of like the earth was returning to how it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's a little bit how it felt. So part of the world looks like a Keebler cookie commercial. <laughs> and part of the world looks like a mix of Skyrim and Fallout, which I think that's, is pretty, pretty I like accurate. that. Yeah, I like that analogy. It's good. <laughs> and yeah, the story is really interesting, just that there is now a war between the mutants who prefer technology and logic and reason, at least sort of. That's what they claim. And then the other side, which is magic and feeling and emotion and peace and all this stuff, kind of the, you know, the lighter side. And it's on either side, it's sort of helmed by these two twins, one of which was 
like the magnetic opposites of each other, essentially. And that's yes. what it says. I think like one attracted people and was friendly and drew people in the other kind of repelled people. And I, I really, really like that. They're like 10,000 yeah, years old. They're, they've been around forever. They have this really long backstory and it's a really rich world. I feel like they've, you know, they probably did what they could with the budget they had. And some of the visuals are really cool. I've never seen anything like it, but they could do so much more with this world. And now I really want to find out if there are more, you know, if there are books or comics or anything else based off this. Uh, the Some of the things I found out researching a little bit of this, uh, <laughs> and I, I found out there's a line in the movie, they killed Fritz. Oh, Fritz, they, they killed Fritz. This whole thing, it's a, it's a whole little like two minute scene with this guy and this this whole thing but it's a, it's about Fritz the cat which is an old animation apparently apparently it's like an x rated thing hmm. uh that he did and it was it was kind of paying homage to that that was and that it, weird little scene that was kind of like didn't fit in anywhere they like flash sideways to those two guys yeah and the one's on the ground the other one's trying to wake him up like what and then he starts shooting then the other guy gets up. He's like, I'm okay. It's just a little wound. And then, <laughs> and then they, the guy actually shoots him. <laughs> and then he's like, they killed Fritz. <laughs> it was, there were, it's, it's a fairly serious story. Like the content wise, it's not necessarily for children yet. I don't think there's anything overtly bad in it. I mean, the fairy queen, uh, Eleanor, she's, yeah, Eleanor is uh it's really cold. They have the air conditioning on, I guess, wherever she is. Mm -hmm. But but otherwise, I mean, there's, you know, almost like a fantasia how the some of the fairies would just fly around in that and kind of like cherubs or something that they're just nude. And they don't show a whole lot. It's animated in a way that they're not being explicit or anything except so, with but, Eleanor. There are a few scenes where they're like you getting this? Hmm? <laughs> like there's a scene where she's sitting on the end of the bed when, um, oh, what's his Avatar? name? Avatar. Yeah. The good wizard. He's like, yeah, you got Avatar and then he just wants to take Black a nap. Boy. They're like, we have to do something about this. And he's like, I'm too old. And he just lays <laughs> down and she's like, what are we going to do? And he goes, well, how about you just sit there for a while and let me think. And he just like lays back down, but she does this like pose. There were so many little boys in 77 watching this who are like, Oh, I mean, all right, I'm learning. Or little girls who are like, I did not know that about myself. <laughs> I, yeah, all right. I get that. And your fiance came out while we were watching that. Walked through the room like twice. Saw maybe a cumulative three seconds of the movie and was like, "What? The, what is this? This is an adult thing, right? Like adult." I mean, you know, not that adult, but <laughs> she walked in when the uh, the AC was cranked way up with Eleanor on right? screen. It's not G rated. <laughs> I really the animation style of this is very unique. The things that they do. I like the very opening, how it's just a bunch of stills and a little bit of storytelling. And the person who was part of the storytelling, uh, let me see if I can find it, uh, Susan Tyrell. Um, she specifically requested to be unaccredited for her role, believing that performing in some sort of animated film would be detrimental to her career. But she appro approached uh, Mr. Bakshi years later and revealed that the movie had actually been instrumental in securing many subsequent roles for her. And she kind of ended up regretting the request. 
So on the movie itself, there's nowhere listed who is narrating it, but she did a good job. I liked how that was done, the story of it. And it's just, I've not seen anything like it. It's one of the reasons I really wanted us to do it. Cause I remember the only thing I remembered about it was one, my dad having recommended it to me and that's why I have the movie, but just how out there it was. Yeah. And it, this one really is. Yeah. There are moments that, like I said, kind of look like the Smurfs or a Keebler commercial or something like that, where the art style is very primitive and childish. And then other moments where they'll mix in, you know, like still images in the background, you know, mm-hmm. the way old cartoons used to do that are really, really well done and really intricate. And they add this atmosphere that really other cartoons don't have. Yeah, yeah. there's there's something about it that you're just not going to find any other or anything in any of in recent memory that is like it. I think you could find some things during that time frame, like that Lord of the Rings movie that I referenced earlier that does some similar things also possibly because it's done by the same guy, mm-hmm. but it's just so unique compared to anything else that we watched. And then the other thing with it that was so interesting was the parts in the animation that were clearly taken from live action. Cause there was this uncanny movement that was just so real looking. And you, mm-hmm. you looked it up and found that it was in some cases reused footage from other movies, but it was very clear that it was a thing where the artist kind of traced over. I mean, that has to be how they did it traced over or painted over old film, like using some kind of transparency and then they overlaid it or, or whatever they did. But there are moments where, you know, it's a scene from something else, but they've added something to it. Like there was one that looks like native Americans on like a hunt or something like that but they've added red eyes and horns and stuff like that to, Mm -hmm. to be like the elves or whatever, because they're carrying, you know, bows and things like that. So that kind of footage makes sense. And then the creepiest one, the one that I liked the best was the organ player. They have this scene where, you know, it's very, like you said, anti-Nazi, but there's a lot of Nazi symbolism in it. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly the Nuremberg rally, but it's kind of what it is where they gather everybody together and show them this, this film reel. And there's this organ player that they show that's like moving so smoothly and it's so weird the way it's done. And it's just, it added a lot for me. Like otherwise it would have been like, yeah, this is kind of a, like it's a big idea with not a lot of like an artistic vision to pull it off. But the art style is so different in so many different ways. And the mix of these intricate sets and then these, you know, action pieces where it's clearly live action and they've somehow made part of it transparent, but part of it is colored or there's something added to it or there's glowing eyes added to it. It's just super, super weird and really interesting to watch. You're like, don't, don't drink or do drugs and watch this movie. But yeah, that was one of the things I said. I'm like, <laughs> you do not want to do some LSD and then watch this movie. It it's just, it's a really unique experience. And I really enjoyed that about it. Uh, some of the movies, like you said, I referred to uh, some of the shadow warrior fit- footage was taken from, let's see, Zulu from 1964, El Cid from 61, Patton from 70, Battle of the Bulge from 65, and so especially Alexander Nevsky from 38. Hmm. So just different things that it took from to kind of uh, make that make that happen. They're really interesting. And then I'd asked you during watching this, 
uh, some what it kind of reminded me of was the movie Heavy Metal, which you said you hadn't watched. And so Halligans, just as a little update here, that's now on my list. We're totally going to watch that one and do it because that's a very another unique animation, unlike a lot of things you've ever seen kind of movies. And I think it would be another interesting one for us to do. That's the one from 81. Yeah, there's two different ones. There's the Heavy Metal and then Heavy Metal 2000 that came out in, obviously, 2000. Yeah. Yep, yeah, no, the original. Never, I have the original. Never heard of it. Never seen it. I'm interested. I can't believe you've never heard of it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm glad that you say that. I like hearing that there are movies that I just missed. There are some I don't want to see. Like, there are some shows I don't give a shit about. Some movies I don't care about at all. You know, some that I enjoy not having seen because... I don't want to <laughs> like, I know that it's like some pop culture thing and I just like being ignorant of it for some reason. I'm kind of proud of it. Yeah. But like, like me not being on Facebook, I'm pretty proud of that. Well, I don't use Facebook. Like I won't install it on my phone because the giant list of permissions it asks for scares me. I'll use it on my computer every once in a while. But like just today I got a text from a mutual friend of ours about an event we have coming up. So like, hey, I'm looking for blah, blah, you know, just some message. Not sure if you saw this on Facebook. And it's like, why would I have seen it on Facebook? When have I ever responded to anything on Facebook? The only I, I've disabled all notifications. Oh, God, this is a Facebook just use that episode. Thing exclusively, but yeah, well, I some of the folks I used to work with try to reach out to me on Facebook. You know, I'll log in sometimes and it's like, hey, you got a message from Sarah seven months ago. I was like, oh, well, I guess uh, I'm not going to so-and-so's birthday party because that was a while back. <laughs> I think I might have missed might've that missed one. That. I forgot the date. <laughs> so, all right. So besides the animation style in this, as you said, the story itself is fairly interesting. Coming from this super post-apocalyptic world that it took, they talk about it in terms of millions of years. At one point avatars talking about millions of years ago when they uh outlawed technology and guns and things like that and so the the time frame that you're working with here is so out there it's just it's hard to almost fathom that yeah it's hard to tell exactly when it's supposed to take place for me because it said you know like six thousand years or three thousand years or something after the end of the world, basically this life starts yeah. to emerge and there's this like fairy or wizard queen or whatever she's supposed to be. And then she has these children, but they live for like tens of thousands of years and she finally dies of old age and he takes over. And so it's like, and then, and then in the narration, there's a point at which it flashes on the screen 3000 years later. So I thought maybe this was like 16,000 years after basically humanity was wiped out because that would be the 3000 or whatever that it mentioned in the beginning, like the 10,000 for her lifetime. And then it's like 3000 years after her death that we see this story. I thought, so I don't yeah, know if the millions of years is hyperbole or what, if it's not, it's just a matter of the world has just been like this for so long. And that the people who came previously to the mother of the characters, uh, uh, Avatar and Black Wolf that she was just one in a very long line in back when it talked about the elves, the dwarves, the fairy creatures, the fae creatures and things reemerging, taking back over some of the 
the lands that you know were still beautiful that weren't destroyed i whatever however they're trying to explain it and maybe more time actually passed than you realized i mean when he refers to these things having been outlawed so long ago it it's like wow how and he does he also talks about how long lived he is Mm -hmm. and just it's it's funny how you see them it's showing these stills of avatar and black wolf as they're growing as young quote unquote young men and there's a a little kind of back and forth scene where the mother dies and avatar and black wolf fight uh avatar wins because you know he's more emotionally invested in it whereas black wolf had turned away and didn't want anything to do with his mother and they look vastly different than they do in the time frame where the movie's actually set which i feel like that's the 3000 years later mm-hmm. like they had their confrontation after maybe millions of years of the earth turning from what we did do it with nuclear weapons and destroyed it millions of years go by and then these two are born mom dies they have a fight 3000 years later we start in the land of scorch and then that's where some of these other characters come into it they send out these uh creatures this this assassin who ends up being being named peace he starts working with avatar later on in the movie and he's kind of an interesting character i thought his voice sounded like dom deloise from some of those old animated movies like the secret of nim stuff like that it wasn't none of these actors i had ever heard of the one who voiced avatar himself was bob holt and i found out that he voiced uh the magua and gremlins in the gremlins movie and other than that nothing that i saw listed was anything that i really recognized any of these people from so yeah he had this weird old man like old new yorker voice he would have sounded right as an old man in new york in like the 70s mm-hmm. but other than that he was fine he he reminded me of like a like a dollar general brand lucky charms mascot because <laughs> he's like small with the big nose and like gigantic his feet are like the entire size of his body each one individually <laughs> like he just looks so goofy he does he's he's smoking a cigar using his feet it's just yeah, bare hands the character but, is so out there but like formal gloves and yeah smokes the cigar with his feet and the president wears like a weird mask that makes him look kind of like a mix between a mime and a member of anonymous right which is what you pointed out and then he's wearing a tux with spats and everything yeah i don't know everything that's in his daughter this how the the fairy queen is the president's daughter it's just this whole conglomeration of different ideas that you know mr bakshi had somehow like wanted to jam into this this movie and it's just so weird yeah i like though that they all have their own distinct personality the elf that's with them is very like you know let's go let's get this done mm-hmm. like he's he's into it you know eleanor is first very distraught at some of the things that are happening and then you know goes along with it she's a lot more playful and she knows some of her powers but she's still developing 
So she doesn't have like the greatest control over her magic, which kind of works to their advantage a little bit because she's making things happen that she's not really intending to make happen. And it, you know, kind of, I don't know, works out well for them at one point. Yeah. Avatar is this, he's very humble. He has a couple moments where he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> but for the most part, he's very humble and it's other people talking about him like, oh my God, this is the guy I've heard of this guy, you know? Um, but there's no character who is only there for some plot point. Like there's no character whose only reason to be there was, you know, some kind of convenience or to keep a secret or to be the one who dies to motivate the group or, or whatever it is. You know, oh, there's a lot of that. not quite true. When you're first introduced to Weehawk, he's got a buddy with him. Weehawk. And right. Yeah. Weehawk. Oh I forgot that was his name. Yeah. Um, he, he has a buddy with him who just gets killed by the assassin. And then oh. all of a sudden there's this chase scene. Yeah. And the assassin had shot his buddy from a great distance. The way they showed the shot, like he's up on this ridge and they show the transition from day to night. And it's just him. Like he's waiting for something. And then it shows these two guys. And one of them's like, I don't know. I, we, we should, we should go. Or I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about this. And they start to go and his buddy gets shot. And all of a sudden there's this weird chase scene where they're riding on these horse-like creatures, but they only have two legs. And another bit of that trivia is they only animated them with two legs because it was cheaper to do the animation that way. <laughs> That's just hilarious. That's great. These weird, it was like a ball that had a neck and a head and a couple legs coming off of it that were shorter than the legs of the riders who were yeah. on them. It would it just really fun. I liked them. I liked the little creatures they rode on. They were neat. Yeah, there was a lot of creativity in mm -hmm. the creatures and in the mutants and in the design and some of the interactions, too, even though it all seemed kind of random. You know, there's the one character who's one of the bad guys and he's just like, I don't want to I don't want to fight anymore. Everything's got a right to live, man. And then like, <laughs> oh, but we got a secret weapon. We're going to we're going to rule the world. You can do whatever you want. And then he just like gets up, grabs the other guy's rifle and marches out. Like he's like, all right, left, I'm in. Right, left, right. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, they had, it's this weird mix of soldier men who have these like old school World War One-ish style like gas masks, mm -hmm. just animated really, really interestingly. And then like goblins and orcs and trolls and different creatures. This is, it's called the mutants, but it's kind of like, that's what they remind you of. It's just these different creatures. And there's like these, there's this one lizard creature who's who's like a little ancillary character but he's got his own personality and they do there's there's really not many except for you know fritz who got they killed fritz oh, <laughs> oh god how did they kill like i mean there's a couple where they're just there for that but it's it's put in for these little moments of levity or things that are in there that are just really used well not overused the animation style the way they do things some of it it's not overused, underused. It's just really kind of well done. Almost like a a Hawk and Rev style. They knew what they were doing. This is what they wanted to put out. And, I mean, you either kind of get it and appreciate it, or maybe it's just not for you. For me, this was almost like a proof of concept sort of thing. Like, the story was so interesting. Like, this idea that the world goes into, like, a mythical, magical state after technology and human civilization is wiped out. I find that really, really compelling. 
the way they executed it with this movie was weird, but also mm-hmm. enjoyable because it was just, I don't think I would have had as much fun watching it alone. I'm glad you had me come over to watch it because yeah, I, I was just, you were like, are you, are you going to be okay or whatever? And I realized like my mouth was hanging open and I was like <laughs> leaning, like craning my neck forward. <laughs> like what's going on? Why? Why does like the fairy... we have to get really serious about a video game and you sit up in your seat <laughs> and you get really more engaged. Like that's going to, going to help you defeat the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really, just really odd and interesting and entertaining because it was so creative and the story was so interesting and the characters have these just really great personalities. I mean, there's some annoying stuff like the fact that Weehawk, like 40% of what he says is just this like absurdly loud yell. Ah, it's a war cry. This... Yeah, but there's so much of it. There there's is so much of it. it. You're not wrong. But it's so weird. Like, I don't know. In terms of marketing, it would be really hard to figure out who to sell this to. Because an adult is going to want to see like a, I don't know, Conan style live action type thing. And a kid, this isn't for a kid. No. This is like um, maybe Fern Gully, but way darker. Yeah, I you get know, that. In the way that it's, it's, there's a message that anybody can take away from it. In the way it ends, I love the ending. Like, I love oh. the, the end, the kind of climax of the confrontation. Mm-hmm. I love the way that plays out. And I don't want to spoil it because... If you're interested, you should watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It is de- definitely. We're not going to spoil that. There, it's a, it's, it's short. It's only an hour and twenty minutes. I mean, that includes credits and things. But it's so unlike any anything that most of you have ever seen before. I would have to say, I am willing to bet ninety nine percent of you have never seen anything like this with the possible exception of having watched that Lord of the Rings movie. But even with that, the, it's the only thing similar is like the animation style is going to be a little bit similar. Otherwise, just everything that's in this is so unique. It, it defies logic almost in how it's put together. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of parts of it that seem very disjointed, but they work, you know, they're just showing you these moments that kind of help build the world. Or you have the moment that's a tribute to the cat or whatever that was you were talking about. They killed Fritz. Yeah. That whole thing. Um, yeah. And then there's like these these moments of, you know, there's like one little bit of innuendo towards the very end. Otherwise, like, you know, we're kind of making fun because Eleanor was dressed in this particular way, which if I were to describe it, it would be like a white thong with a sheer scarf tied to her waist at both the 11 o'clock and one o'clock positions and draped up and around her neck. Yeah. That's basically her entire outfit. Mm -hmm. And there's only one point at which it's referenced. And that's when they go to a cold environment and they give her something warmer to wear. Otherwise that's just how she's dressed. Mm -hmm. There's kind of, you know, a nonverbal mention of it once and then a verbal mention of it later that it's like, you know, how she looks. But yeah, the rest of it, it's just like, that's how some of these creatures are. Some of them are just, you know, you you leaned over, you're like, that's very impractical armor. Because one of the, like, fairy creatures was literally just wearing, like, two small sort of cups on her chest. And, like, a belt, maybe? Yeah, some bikini bottom looking. It was standard RPG chick armor. 
<laughs> like that's utterly useless in actual any sort of actuality. But I, I do remember stopping to mention that. It it kind of maybe it kind of helps to like show you know these characters are they don't know anything really about war for the most part. There's sort of one group that understands war that's not the bad guys, and mm-hmm. they wear like normal armor. But the other ones like half of them are naked. Half of them are wearing something like that. You know, they're using like bows. There's a point at which one of the characters drops his sword and it shatters. Like these people don't know war. <laughs> they don't know how to fight or, you know, it's. So I, you're, you're trying to say war, war never changes. <laughs> That's right. I'm trying to justify some of their artistic choices, but I think I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle. <laughs> I don't know. I just found it very strange. Like there, there are things like that, that, would keep it from being something that you would watch with a kid, you know, in particular, Eleanor. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't like, that was the thing Tasha walked in for. She saw that and she was like, Oh, what, what are you watching? <laughs> it's like, ah, it's okay. She's always liked this all the time. It's not, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like this isn't a particularly revealing situation. This is just the character design. Yeah. This is, this is one of those, it, like you said, you said this. You quoted this last night. I'm I'm quoting you here. There's a lot of movie in this movie. There is, yeah. With the story, the way it's all animated, everything's put together. There is a lot to uh, chew on and digest with this one, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's really unique, really interesting. Yep. I'm I'm still questioning. We're gonna we're gonna come down to it here, and that's the question of that we answer with all of our movies. Is this a watch or not a watch? It's a watch for me with the understanding that it's kind of a novelty. You know, you're watching it for the spectacle of it in this weird experience, kind of like the Green Knight. You know, you're not watching it because it's this super, super fun thing to just, you know, shovel popcorn in your mouth and, you know, just have a good time. But it is very fun to watch and like, oh, look at that. You know, look at how they designed this character, because it's like mixing a bunch of toys that don't go together. Some of them are (laughs) so different in their design. It's really kind of cool and then these little story elements some of these interactions are really cool there's a point where they find like a temple or a church or whatever it's supposed to be or that's what they're calling it and there's like a coca-cola sign and a cbs you know the eye thing yeah (laughs) the logo like there's all this memorabilia in there from like the previous world it's really and they don't touch on it at all that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about where this has like such potential you know there's so much you could explore with it it's like what is their religion like because they do do some kind of like really bizarre religious ritual before the bad guys blow the church up. Right. That like, that whole scene was really, really something else. Yeah. With those two characters, I felt like they were trying to portray them as somewhat Jewish based on the whole Nazi thing that was going on. But I don't even it was it was hilarious. I liked them a lot. They were two very fun characters. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna agree with you. This is a watch, but with caution. Almost, it's. It is. It's something you're gonna want to see, not because you're gonna sit down and be enthralled or entertained for the little more than an hour that it, of your time that it's going to take up. It's just a really unique thing to experience more than anything else. Yeah, it's it's kind of like why. It's just so different from anything we have today. You know, it, it 
just trying to think of like seeking out an experience like this. It's like going to, you know, an antique shop or a yard sale or something and trying to find like old records or something obscure or like reel to reel tapes, which is something I like. You know, it's a different experience doing it that way, listening to it that way. The sound is different. You know, the experience of doing it is different. And it's it's a product of its time in, in you know, both of these things that I'm talking about. But this movie in particular, it's something that 150 percent would not happen today. Like, no way would this ever get made. But it did back this then. This would be, if this got made, it would be by an art student. Yes. This is, this is not getting made into some sort of full-length feature brought out into the cinema kind of movies. This is a, a whole different thing. It'd be some weird, yeah, artsy indie thing put on, like, Vimeo. And, and Absolutely. Nobody would know about it because nobody would promote it. Nobody would want to advertise it. And it would just get lost. Kind of like it has. Now, you did mention something about some sort of Conan-ish style. And that I think it's funny you say that because there's a movie. And I remember seeing it for years in an old video store that I went to, like around my neighborhood. This old movie called Fire and Ice. And it's this very Conan-esque looking movie done by this guy, Bakshi. We might have to check it out. I think it's a live action and let's see, at the end of the Ice Age, an evil queen and her son are set on conquering the world using magic and warriors. Hmm. So yeah, it's I think the fire and ice thing is kind of a, a cult thing. I remember seeing that box just for years. But, you know, me and my buddy, I don't think we ever actually took the time to pick it up and check it out. But that could be a fun one to try and check out and watch. Okay. I, I do have another one that we might check out. Hmm. And I guess we and can I mean, leave correct. it in here. It says animation. It's another. It's an animation movie. So I guess we can put in my little tidbit here as a reward for anybody who listened this far to get a little sneak preview of what I want to do if I if I can find it. I saw this at Slackers on VHS like years and years ago. It is called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, and it is, according to Wikipedia, a horror parody. That's that's the genre they're giving it. But it follows a modern day Jesus struggling to protect lesbians in Ottawa, Ontario from vampires with the help of a Mexican wrestler. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> like, I remember I seeing this cover and just being like, do I? No. So nope, I just bought I'm it. Not, I'm didn't not do trying it. to explain that to my parents. <laughs> I was in high school <laughs> when I saw that. I was like, nope, nope. No. <laughs> I just get you. Have, you have mentioned that one before. I know we've talked about it. Yeah, I've mentioned yeah. it because it's such an outlandish title, but I actually looked it up recently and found like when it was made and how it got made and stuff like that. And maybe just anything. I don't know if this one's good because Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was really good. So maybe Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter will be good, too. I don't even know how to think about something like that after I just. My mind's still reeling from this. So I, I don't even... <laughs> you know what? Maybe Halligans, maybe we'll get to that one. This is... Ryan's got some uh, tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, it can be on the list. It doesn't have to be at the top. <laughs> I have to find a copy first or find a place to stream it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. There's lots of movies out there. And being that there's lots of movies out there, are there any movies like this that you want us to review? Things that you think are out there that... You know, some hidden gem that nobody else knows besides you and your small little group of people. If even that, you got something weird, something out there, 
hit us up. Where can they do that, Ryan? They can find us on Twitter at MovieHell, and they can email us at MovieHell at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, I don't know about you. I don't have, I mean, short movie, not going to be our longest one. I, I, I just, I don't even know if I have anything else to say about it. That's it. Nope. Nope. Not without spoiling anything. Just bizarre and fun. And it shows a ton of creativity and a really cool premise for a story. Truly is. This is a very unique, one of a kind experience. And just, yeah, I think both of us are going to agree. It's a watch, you know, with those little bit of caveats that we hit you with. But other than that, I don't know. Um, I've been Joe. I've been Ryan. And it looks like we are done. <laughs>